Got it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we were saying, um, yeah, I'm a prisoner in my own country. Um, even if I do end up taking like a traditional, uh, well, it's for YouTube. So I call it the sacrament, obviously for OPSEC. It's like, it's not the point. It's the, fucking, it's, uh, by the way, I can swear in the podcast, right? Uh, yes. I try to stay away from swearing, but you know, like just. Sometimes I've been trying to do that too. Yeah, it Especially is as you get older. Yeah. I've been trying to like be more, it's like more polite and more sociable. Yeah. To like yeah. not curse as much, but. I'm just a swearing fucking bastard. I mean, like my my mom <laughs> yeah, cussed yeah. around me my whole life. My parents just, too, yeah. Yeah, dude. They didn't even try to hide it. <laughs> no, dude. I my mom's like really bad actually. She's like cuss, uh, cuss, cusses her fucking ass off, and yeah. she's you know she's uh her her uh her mom is Sicilian, so uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah dude. You they go. fucking are just like real cursing drunks. Fucking. So you're a quarter paisan. That's that's nice. Yeah, I know you're a fellow uh, Italian. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I, you got a well, very Italian name. Oh yeah, um, but it's funny because like I'm half Calabrese and half Marquesan, so it's like. What the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Central. Um, Mark is like near Rome, basically. Uh, it's like off the. It's where my father's side comes from. But my mother's side, it's, like, more predominant. I'm Calabrese, which is, like, hardcore. So I'm an Italian. So, um, but my mother, it's funny, actually, because, like, for the past, I would say, since after World War One, on my mother's side, the majority of um, my family lived in Brazil and Sao Paulo. So they're kind of like European expats to Brazil. And so my mother was, like, born in Brazil. Um, so, yeah, it's oh, very, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um but yeah, so uh, but but like of course personality wise, the Calabrese, like the Southern Italian, like yeah, ways though. But like I was, but I was saying, just it doesn't even if it's a pyrrhic sort of victory if you end up receiving one of these sacraments. It's just uh, I think the the sort of the gravity of what's been going on for the past two years. It's like it's it doesn't even make a difference, and I really think that people have. Um, they, they have to double down on a lot of the social programming because either they question their decision or there is like the reality of this straight up maliciousness because it's the first time ever um, that people have a sense of like social purpose, which you were talking about in your last stream actually, um, which was great by the way. Uh, it was like I would say the, the Jeff Schollenberger and Adam. Yeah. 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 And uh, the two great friends of mine, um, one the the one pod I did oh actually both of them actually yeah Adam, you've been on both their pods yeah um the one with they're both really great um I oh, really yeah. love I really love Jeffries because um at the time there was like sort of this I think because of the Toad McKinley video the Toad McKino video um <laughs> um Francis E Dak there was sort of like a renewed interest at the time so we did like really great like focused hardcore episode on fantasy deck and of course with adam it's always a blast because he's a really great friend of mine and uh we whenever we start jabbing about especially the work of art it's really great oh no i was saying like yeah i'm basically a prisoner here in canada i would love to visit i have a lot of friends in new york i made through twitter and through break the rules and uh it's just it's you know it's it's probably it's not as bad as germany or australia of course but it's just um it, it is, I think, in a few years, I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful that maybe in a few years, like, to take the Eugipius pill, it's like, uh, hopefully, maybe we'll sort of uh, breeze by this and we'll look at the decisions we've made against our fellow man, who knows, but, uh, or maybe let's go on forever, and we'll live in this neoliberal nightmare forever, so, <laughs> but... No, yeah, that would have been cool if you came to the uh, the NPC Film Fest thing. Um, there were Curtis Yarvin was there. Um, a lot of mutual friends of ours. Barrett was there. Uh, uh, who else was Jeff? Jeff Schollenberger was there. Surprise! Um, Lev didn't go. My co-host. He could have. Yeah, isn't he in New York? Oh yeah, he goes yeah, to a I'm lot of. I'm surprised he wasn't there oh yeah. or maybe he was there i didn't see him i would have recognized him, him though yeah 
for those who don't know, maybe people that do, but I'm uh, the we're referring to Break the Rules podcast. Uh, so, oh yeah, that, yeah. So go ahead that. and um, we don't really do this that much, but uh, yeah, yeah. go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, I'm you know Geo. Oh God, it's so awkward when he's introduced. Um, uh, you know, artist, writer. I started as a writer, but then I started like sharing my art publicly. Um. Then uh, yeah, podcaster. I I I do my own YouTube channel, but I'm mostly known for Break the Rules podcast. Um, before I was mostly known for my writing, actually, but the a lot of things have changed in the past, like since 2016 till now, when it comes to the amount of content on, I guess you could say, dissident spaces. Um, and I know like, you you asked me um, before, like my sort of origin. Uh, I have kind of an interesting one that relates to the work of art because the way I started was this was back and I want to say 2014. So this is like before Trump, before everything, right? Uh, this is like the oh, like the days of like the reactionary blogosphere. And um, I was in grad school at the time. I was in my philosophy MA. And uh, I wrote this essay. It was a critical theory class. I ended up mentioning the at the time very popular video artist that was very popular in like the you know Chan Chan boards. Uh, Nobody TM. I don't know if you remember Nobody TM. Uh, he was like the last. I say he. It was like a group of people, but like this was the head editor. Was like the last like true video art, um, and it had like a different layers of like there was a like, sort of surface level political stuff. Like look at these you know freaks and degenerates whatever. But there was also like a lot of deep sort of um, layers to, I would say, an odd form of like internet, like web 1.1 mysticism in a lot of ways, neoplatonic. So I wrote this um, essay on the Frankfurt School and about how to like break out of relations of commodification. And I mentioned nobody TM and actually there was an email feature at the website. The website is totally erased. You can only find it through archives, the videos and on YouTube. Um, So... I ended up in like, this was when I was like totally not who I am now. Uh, I ended up emailing the editor and uh, he loved it so much that he put it on the main website. And I was like, man, this is crazy. And then I got contacted by Adam Wallace. If people remember back in the day, Adam Wallace, he, he, uh, he had a podcast, the plebeian podcast, but he ran the website West coast reactionaries. And from there, I started writing for them. And from there, I started writing for Thermometer Magazine. Thermometer Magazine was like the premier, um, like there was an attempt to sort of centralize the blogosphere into a few publications. Like one of them was Social Matter. The other one was Thermidor. And uh, Thermidor, of course, went by the wayside. I'm not going to get into that too much, (laughs) why that happened. But um, I I became, that was sort of like my home for, for years during the Trump thing. And uh, then, you know, as time goes on, you meet people and you sort of, I guess, like ingratiate yourself in a scene. And uh, yeah, and here I am now. And now I'm known mostly for, uh, you know, art criticism type of analysis. Because that's like that type of stuff, like when it came to like arts and culture was kind of like limited on like, especially like the dissident right on like the Internet. Like when all these like weird foreign people's went to foreign people went to Twitter it was sort of like straight up political, like, you know, like, you know, like blogger, like reactionary blog stuff, like, like, you know, Molbog, Nick Land and stuff. Uh, and so like there, the only like arts and culture stuff was I think movie reviews, which I've done a few, but there wasn't like a serious attempt at, um, there's only like a few people actually doing this, a serious attempt at like critiquing visual art and uh, things of that nature. And also, producing art like i can only name a handful of people there's more people now than there was when i started but like at the time when it came to artists and like these spheres on twitter or wherever there was only really like owen cyclops um a few people here and there that were doing like ridiculous fast wave stuff and me of course and uh a few other people but then as time goes on um there there's starting to be there's promise put it that way there's promise Sorry, I'm just rambling, my friend. I'm just rambling, but, you know. Yeah. I did
Hey, hello? Oh, you there? Hey, yeah, sorry. My fucking um, shit is just uh, started fucking up. And also, I'm going to go turn my dryer off, so quit making noise in the background. I'll be right back. Oh, no problem. Okay, sorry. Okay, now that I got that fucking figured out, sorry. Fucking, um, now, um... This is live pod... This is what it's like, the grind of yeah, being a podcast, Yeah, goddamn, dude. the fucking tech shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, so, yeah. uh, I, I was gonna get into some, uh, some questions, but, uh, go ahead. What were you, were you, were you finishing something? You no, no, saying? I was just finishing my intro. I was kind of rambling a bit, but, uh, um, yeah, so I was saying, like, how, um, there was, um... There, there was sort of like very few people taking art seriously at the time and like the uh the like what would you call it like i guess dissident right twitter dissident uh blogsphere stuff there was like me uh there was like owen cyclops me a few other people here and there but like now i think there's starting to be some like there's more way more visual artists and and people doing serious stuff than when i started off back in like 2015 2014 um, nowadays, yeah. I think like there are more like for example, I'm going to judge um, the visual art part of uh, Lomez's passage pass sorry passage prize uh, well, passage prize um, and uh, for you're going to be judging what visual art section. It's uh, Lomez on Twitter. He's going to create this magazine of like arts and culture. Uh, oh, passage. nice. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm doing, I'm judging the visual art portion. And I think uh, the short story part, the fiction part will be judged by Zero HP Lovecraft. The poetry part will be judged by Courtesy Arvin Moldbug. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, and I think Ben Braddock is doing the nonfiction essay stuff. He's the judge. So, um, yeah, and that's like, so I, that's pretty exciting actually, like to get, you know, because I'm good friends with ZHP. And uh, it's really, I, I think, like, there's more, if there's more initiatives to do that type of stuff. Like, uh, I'm, I'm really excited because there's some great people. A lot of them are my friends, so it's going to be kind of hard to choose. Because, but I think it is, it is a good time, I think, to truly, like, hunger down and actually create things. Because it seems that as much as there was sort of an aesthetic energy with, like, Trump 2016... It's it's almost becoming like a yoke over the head of like a lot of people who are like you know edgy or sought fame at the time, uh, because unfortunately I think like that type of politics is kind of dead for the near future, um, and not a lot of like truly monumental works. Like there was a few performances, like uh, the Hugh Not Divitus thing that was unintentionally one of the best like performance art pieces of the la previous few decades. Uh, but unintentionally. Um, but I think, like, when it comes down to it, um, there wasn't... I, I said this before. I think I actually said this with that, believe it or not. Um, I said, like, you know, it's kind of like we're the hippies. And we just woke up out of the drunken stupor of the 60s. And it's, like, 1971. And, like, Richard Nixon in the White House. And it's, like, it's over. But... <laughs> But what happened during the 70s was a lot of the serious intellectual and like cultural artistic stuff that came about during the 70s. People, if you look at the dates of all like the radical new left stuff, that was mostly in the 70s because the 60s was kind of like the like, what would you call it? Halcyon antediluvian type of like. So 2016 was like our antediluvian period. Now it's time to get serious. At least I, I hope. You know, we have to clear out a lot of dead wood. There's still a lot of dead wood there. We have to clear, we have to clear out. Um, but, you know, I'm just rambling, actually. Well, yeah, I, I, didn't you say something um, that you've been looking into, like, um, psychedelic culture and shit? Oh, yeah, uh, that was... Didn't you, did you want to talk about that? Yeah, that's... Because um, uh, <laughs> when I think about the 70s, um, I'm, like, really interested in, like, the uh you know they call it like the dope decade but like oh, yeah. um how how influential like drugs and 
um, especially psychedelics were to like politics and culture, uh, you know, uh, especially in the seventies. Um, and also makes me think about Hunter S. Thompson. Um, you know, he was really, uh, pop, you know, popular in the seventies. His book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas came out in 71. Um, you know, I remember somewhere in the book, he's like, yeah, our good Lord and savior, our, uh, our, our, uh, our, uh, the, the year, the year of our, lord and savior 1971 and talking about Nixon <laughs> and shit and um you know actually when i met curtis yarvin that was one of the things we were talking about you know i met him at at, at a party and um i like pulled up i was like drunk as fuck high as fuck feeling myself you know having a good time and right when i fucking it was so funny man because like i fucking walk in and um there's like some girl that uh like they were doing a reading together or whatever and fucking um uh they were doing a reading later that night and um so like they were talking or whatever it's this girl named alicia shout out fucking um she might come on the pod um but no she's great but anyway so she was talking to curtis yarvin and you know i'm like i walk in and like i think i was talking to someone or whatever and then she's like uh yo tony and i turn around and i see her and I'm like, hey, what's up, Alicia? And like, like, and then like, she gave me a hug or whatever. And then immediately I realized she's sitting, standing there talking to Curtis Yarvin. And I just go, what the fuck? It's Curtis Yarvin, like out loud. And like, I literally just like throw her out of my way. And I'm just like, whoa, fucking yo, Curtis Yarvin, what the fuck? Like, um, <laughs> I like oh, man. Growing. I'm not even like that much of a fan. It's just, he's just such a like internet figure, subcultural, yeah, yeah. like internet icon you know yeah, my criticisms of, uh, too but yeah it's like i have my criticisms too yeah. i don't fully agree with him i'm not really that big of a fan of him it's hard to explain i'm like that i'm just like not that big of a fan of him but um it's what he represents in terms yeah of he's life. just so yeah. he's just such a meme man he's just such an iconic <laughs> fucking internet yeah. meme yeah. um and like just like he's like forever fucking solidified as an icon like with those fucking uh pictures of, as a meme icon those pictures of him like in the forest <laughs> on jacket. his laptop with the leather jacket i was oh, gonna uh alicia she actually said i should be him for halloween uh, i was like yo who should i be for halloween she was like yo curtis Jarvin. i was like how do i gotta do that like what indicates curtis Jarvin? she was like um like a, a leather jacket with like a laptop in the you oh know like fucking oh. out in the woods i was like this that would be what, funny this is the meme we've been reduced to the mimetic power of courtesy yeah fucking leather jacket <laughs> oh my god also fucking at oh. one of those nights you get a reading he wore like a che guevara shirt which i yeah, thought yeah funny. that says so much right there i know um, i even told him i like i even like he was like saying that i like uh came up to him and i like was like yo like the 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 che guevara shirt is so fucking funny oh he was like man. oh yeah thanks like but anyway we were talking about hunter s thompson when i first met him and i was like talking about his concept of like he has this concept of like about like blue goop or whatever which i think was really interesting and like useful when talking about like neoliberalism and shit um yeah my friend alex kishuda she calls it the gray goo of reality the gray goo yeah that's like what they're going to turn us into get that from him or i think she did actually yeah yeah but gray is a better the yeah i get it's like that idea of like everything solid like melts into air it's Mm, going to be like rootless gloss. i always loved that fucking quote everything that's yeah. solid melts in there but um but so you were talking to curtis about about hunter s thompson and dropping yeah and i was i was gonna yeah i even asked him i was like yo fucking uh how has drugs like influenced your writing and shit and he was kind of like oh yeah it's an interesting question and then kind of like got sidetracked and i was like fuck i wanted to really kind of know fucking what his answer was to that but anyway fucking um i was gonna ask you you call yourself a gonzo philosopher is that correct yeah but that is a relation to um oh god okay so there's like a little story behind that but yeah go go ahead we're gonna well, I was just going to ask, yeah, what is, well, what is your, okay, well, yeah, what is your story behind that? Because um, I, when I think of Gonzo, I think of Gonzo journalism. Exactly, Gonzo, yeah. Gonzo journalism. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's similar. Um, the reason I say that, um, 
and I, I actually I just had to change my handle temporarily on Twitter just to own this like lib who uh, said that I look like um which I do actually what what's the handle I have to read this to you this is amazing uh this like it, this like some person who was mad at the Lippincock guy uh looked through like people that followed him is like this is a strange like bio I don't understand so this person says. A hair, and if you look at my profile picture, a harem pendulette in a Santa hat. So it's my, uh, <laughs> it's my Christmas edition of my Avi that my good friend VDR um, made for me, uh, where I'm surrounded by beautiful multi-ethnic women. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I always loved that fucking profile picture. That's so yeah. good. Um, harem pendulette in a Santa hat, corpulent and glistening trad calf takes. <laughs> oh amazing but um so gonza philosophy um that is because uh when i was in from undergrad to when i went to my grad program or well, the, the first one um i had a really influential professor um and he is like truly one of the last great like minds who is obscure who uh like is an old school type of professor. And uh, he was born and raised in India, but he came to America. He studied under Kalupahana in um in Hawaii, who was like the big wig of like Eastern Far East studies in terms of like the studies in university. Uh because I went I was privileged enough to go to a university quite close to me. Uh that is like one of the only ones that had up until because of course, um like all universities in North America, they're sort of decimating the humanities. And my philosophy program is, a, sadly to say, it's no more. It's like a general humanities thing. But they were the only philosophy program department to have full masters in continental and Eastern philosophy. Because basically my university was like started by a bunch of hippies that like couldn't get jobs anywhere. So he had this blog, you can still find it actually if you Google it, called Gonzo Philosophy. Um, and he only wrote like five blog posts and it was like, they just blow you away pretty much. And so that became like my moniker. Um, I explained it to a few people, but I've never actually like publicly explained that tag on my, on my bio, Gonzo Philosophy. Uh, so you're the first. Um, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. First on the Drill Cole Gang podcast. <laughs> yeah. So basically it's kind of like taking that uh hunter s thompson method of like gonzo journalism which is like you yourself are narrativizing the subject very intimately that's sort of like the idea he had on the blog behind it and so i kind of like took up the mantle uh because unfortunately like professors like that are like they, they don't exist anymore especially in philosophy my god if you like go to a north american philosophy first of all i say please do not go to a North American philosophy department. Please, just run. Just don't, like, you'll have, <laughs> it's not good. It is not good. It they don't teach like anything. It seems like a giant anymore. waste of money to me. Well, they don't teach, the thing is, like, all of the cutting edge stuff that, like, a bunch of, like, Twitter schizos, that, like, a bunch of, like, grad students on, like, Facebook and Twitter, like, they read, like, the latest publication from Urbonomic or, Varso books or whatever, like Varso tar Varso cells. That stuff is being taught in like literary departments. They're not being taught in philosophy. If you go to a North American philosophy department, you're gonna get like analytic stuff. You're gonna get maybe the classics like Plato, like pre-Socratics. You're not even gonna get Nietzsche. These people do not even teach you Nietzsche. That's how bad it is. Um, so if if you go to some kind of like studies department, then like good luck. You're never gonna get a job anyways. That's why I didn't do a PhD. I have two MAs, but I didn't do a PhD because, frankly, you have to know people. And the people I went to school with, I, I was taught by, like, great, high-quality professors. But they were just, like, sufficiently, like, out of the loop when it comes to, like, the grid in academia. Um, that's the price you pay for going to a university that's smaller, that has more interesting people, teaching more interesting shit, is that... The price you pay is you can't go anywhere else because basically you're marked. You're like, you're a weirdo. That's it. You know? So I hate to say it, but it's true. And plus like all humanities departments are getting murdered anyways in the, in the universities because the university they've come up with scheme where they just want to become either finishing schools for corporations 
or they're like you know rich kids that can to like waste their time and money by doing like studies programs which is like you know the stereotypical like sjw i guess you could say stuff like you know whatever like it's the stereotypical like epic uh you know ben shapiro truth and logic bomb fem you know college feminist professor gets owned by ben shapiro that type of stuff it's like there's either that or there's like the corporatocracy like you you become trained to be hr manager or whatever like the body university is not doing too well and a few years ago i wasn't black pill but now i'm sort of like coming around to the idea that universities you know they deserve their fate put it that way. but uh, i think they're going to be completely gone in like five oh. years from now um well and that's another thing too because it's like the only thing it's like okay maybe you go to you go to college because it's like you can meet like-minded people that oh, yeah. are also into what you're into and the networking and shit. Like that's like the only fucking reason um, yeah. because like, think about it. So in the, in, back in the day, like in the eighties, um, you can go to college and what's the main reason or what's the, one of the main things you get is you get access to the libraries and yeah. the books. Yeah. Um, now that we have the internet, and you can basically find any fucking book you want uh, on the internet for free. There's really no reason to go to college anymore. No. Um, yeah. It's and kind of completely useless at this point in the post-internet age. There, there's a lot of um, it, it, it's it, <laughs> there's a lot of actual like um when you get to the graduate level beyond like an MA, there's a lot of like impersonal type of stuff that goes into like who is selected for a PhD to begin with. I know like Justin Murphy, he talks about this. We were talking about this. Um, it's like, you have to know people and you have to do what they want you to do. There's this great channel on YouTube who actually, if you really want to understand like complex philosophic texts, um, there's two people on YouTube. One is John David Ebert. The other one, is Chad Haig, my good friend, Chad Haig. He, uh, he was in a grad program in philosophy, but then he dropped out to live in India in Southern India. And he does great videos, but he was talking about basically the, the grift, how universities filled with a bunch of midwits that like, don't know what they're talking about because they haven't actually read the texts and the people that are in there, like, like Justin Murphy was saying, um, they're largely like upper middle class. Like they know people and they do it because they're kind of like the stereotype of the upper middle class, Phil son, Phil daughter. And it's like, if you have to go, like, the thing is what people, what conservatives in particular would, like, I guess you would call them contards, get wrong about it, is that it's not like they, out, like, they okay, they do right censor people, obviously. There is famous cases, obviously. But it's not like they have to outright ban you or censor you. It's more so that the selection process itself, like, they look for a particular type of person that has a particular, like, very, I guess you could call it bug man type of, like, personality and characteristic, a lot of deference. And I had, like, I had a professor when I was in poli-sci. I had a professor. She was one of the first women in Canada to get a PhD in, pol in political theory. First woman in Canada. And she was great. You can look her up. I'm not going to name her. But, like, she's, like, even though it was, like, you know, she's kind of a lib, but she was, like, old school like second waiver. She was pretty based, you know? Um, and she told me straight up, Gio, I hate to say it, but you know, you don't have that personality that they're looking for nowadays. You know, wow, just straight yeah. up told you. Yeah. And she's like, it's not worth your time at all because like, honestly, she's like, you're meant to do other things. Don't worry about it. Because at the time when I was a bit younger, I had this thing about like, I want to be legitimate. And I told Justin Murphy this. I'm like, I want to be legitimate. But as time goes on, it's like, bro, you can't. It's impossible. There is a level of legitimacy that's conferred to people. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, you have to go through to even get to a level of where you're publishing and you're kind of respected by your peers. That just doesn't exist anymore. That exists for like a very thin, like Ben Burgess type of person. You know what I mean? So it's like, that just doesn't happen nowadays. And, and plus, humanities programs are getting, like, just clipped left and right. Like, it's a total slaughterhouse, especially nowadays in the last two years with what's going on, where because of the certain, you know, 
uh, sacrament uh, public health pestilence measures, um, you know, OPSEC language, pestilence. Uh, it's like, they, why, pay, why pay TAs anymore? I just get the professor to do it, you know. Oh, why do I have to have a dedicated philosophy department? Just put them in with the classics, put them in with history, call it a general humanities, and that's it. Oh, and by the way, when you go into a studies program as a graduate or a general humanities program, uh, good luck finding a job. Good luck. Good luck even passing after six years. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing, too, is like yeah. how, how the fuck are you even supposed to like make money off this shit now, no. too? <laughs> like that's completely yeah. – that's completely over with this fucking that whole that I feel like that I yeah I mean I think um I, they were also just talking about this on the Red Scare podcast like about how like all these yeah. small colleges are are fucking oh they're done they're done they're you know done, there's yeah. gonna be like fucking like five major yeah. colleges yeah um, and like over in the Canada next- there is five major colleges already no shit no no, no. there's three there's Four, there's four. Okay, there's four. There's U of T. There's McGill. There's UBC. Maybe York University in a good year, but not really. U of T, McGill. That's it. And the little one, see, the brilliance of the Canadian system was back in the day, you could go to a smaller university because the government directly funded everything in america works differently and because there's no like sats or whatever then you could go to a u like i went to a super small university by the standards of uft and i had some of the best professors ever right like i had access to you know but in america of course it's different like you know you have to go to an ivy league but like i i think i was listening to a little bit of the red scare and it is true like all those like smaller like even the like ultra woke like, you know, Oberlin, Vassar, whatever. Like, they're going to be gone. It's all going to be the top five. That's going to be, like, assembly line factory, like, educa- education. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> one thing it's I actually want... depressing. <laughs> one thing I want to talk about, too, is um, um, I haven't been keeping up on his takes that much, but I think you can explain to the listeners probably better than me. Um, but I know that Yarvin, Curtis Yarvin has some really shit takes about COVID. Oh, COVID. God. Um, if you could explain that. To oh. Well, yeah, I, I think like people, um, the general mood is that people are starting to turn on him, but basically, uh, his recent, I only, I think read half of it, his recent blog post on gray mirror about the, where he's kind of like, well, I guess I was wrong by, about things, but not really. Like, he, he basically is kind of like a lot of these, like, rationalists or post-rats or whatever you want to call them, like, from the last wrong days. Kind of like Richard Hanania, where they sort of, like, kind of bought into the narrative for uh, for personal reasons or whatnot. But the problem is that I think because Curtis sees it as a justification for, like... <laughs> For his system, it's kind of like, it's a very high-minded way. I I don't want to mischaracterize him, of course, but it's a very high-minded way of saying just roll over and rot. And like the moment you start resisting is the moment that you're not thinking like a true Machiavellian, you know, Prince. like you're not thinking in terms of like some kind of like convoluted strategic NRX thing that ends up pulling towards, I would say, the final form of neoliberalism, which, (laughs) which I hate to say it. Like it's, I know... This is an original critique of Curtis, but it seems that um, he was very hopeful that a lot of his type of politics, which is, I would say, particular to him. It's not particular of the distant right, but a certain strain of the NRX people. He saw it as an opportunity to instantiate a lot of his way of thinking around politics in general. But unfortunately, he sort of picks examples like I was reading this account today about how like nobody talked about Singapore and, and of course Curtis he like holds Singapore up to be like the you know they, they really you know nip it in the bud but I've heard accounts from people where it's like a total nightmare it's worse than even New Zealand uh, it's like total nightmare system and a lot of expats have left Singapore don't quote me on this because apparently there's a total media blackout on it um, but yeah the the problem with Curtis is that 
uh, a lot of the sort of recent um, pestilence stuff sort of kind of exposing his inherent like kind of I would say like lib tendencies because like when you start saying stuff like we were talking about the drug stuff um, it, like and we'll get into like, my criticisms of like sort of how it's important but also like some critiques I formulated of, of it you know he's, he's, he has like the line about how people at Burning Man they're like the cultural Brahmins which kind of maybe they are but the problem is that uh, when you view power as just a neutral property and not something that has a sort of uh, mythopoiesis behind it, if you will. When you view power as just like this raw thing, unfortunately you can sort of, you know, dunk into like a lot of different traps around the expressions of power and saying like, you know, I'm so based in reactionary, I'm going to actually like pull my way towards neoliberalism in the end. Right. And, and then then you start like having like logo level of like, well, actually, you know, they're the real Nietzscheans, right? You know that, right? It's like, well, I don't know about that. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's it's hard to, I'm, I'm trying to think of a more articulate critique, but a lot of, like, I would say that if you read his essays on the current uh, pestilence, he really sort of shits the bed in a way that's very unique to him, in my opinion. So, yeah. Oh, man. Um, have you have you been hearing my fucking dryer in the background a have little you, bit here it's noise? like ambient but it's not that for now okay hold up i'll give me yeah. a second yeah, actually wait let me go get some water actually Okay, sorry, I'm back. Um, uh, one thing I also want to talk about, um, my friend was just telling me that there was some beef between, like, Amy Therese and CRK from the Fed Post. Do you know anything about this? Hello? Fuck. Hello. All right. Oh, okay. Are you back? Yeah, I just came oh, to get some water. Okay, yeah, no, fine. Uh <laughs> um okay, uh okay, so fucking the uh the audio shit should be good. But um so my one one thing I want to talk about too, fucking my friend was just telling me something about there was some kind of beef between I haven't even looked into it yet, but there was some kind of beef between Amy Therese and uh, CRK from the Fed Post. Oh yeah, oh yes, yes. What's going on with that? I have no idea. I don't know either. I think, um, I wouldn't be shocked if it was over the car thing. That's probably what it was. Um, because well, well, Amy, she's a friend of well, both of them are friends of mine. God bless him, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I've had CRK on the podcast. He's cool. Oh yeah. Um, but okay, so you said he was over the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, is that what you just... I believe it was. There was a bunch of people. I guess you could consider them like quote unquote post left that they've sort of um like fallen apart or had a falling out. Like I know Mommy Milkers and CRK had a falling out. Um. Amy, I think probably was over the Kyle Rittenhouse thing because I know K. He has like, you know, I mean, he's got a contrarian streak in him, so it's sort of like, <laughs> you know, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But um, he does have yeah, a contrarian kind of uh, yeah thing. What what exactly are I, they? I I seen <laughs> that the perfume Jack was also that they're also beefing too, which I've had perfume Jack on my podcast. Like I oh, think yeah. they're both cool. You know, I think CRK and Perfume Jack are both cool, but um, the the beef that they had seemed kind of ridiculous. And yeah, what was it over? I didn't know that they were beef. I think I heard something they were beefing, but do you know what that was over? You were just that yeah. was over the cow right now. Shit. Oh yeah, well. okay, so that's <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, um, 
I know, like, uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny because, like, Jack, um, he's got, like, a pretty huge tolerance for different people. Um, I know he does have his point where he'd be contentious. But, like, for example, um, when, uh, you know, <laughs> um, when everyone had a falling out, when everyone was systematically having a falling out with um, the one uh, thinker of ironies, um, it was just, like, basically me and Jack were the only two up until, like, the very end where um, he sort of, like, forced her hand, if you will, where Jack was like, you know, fuck this guy, fuck him, all these hairs. Um, for those who don't know what I'm referring to, when I think, you know, I say thinker of ironies, that's, you know, a certain German idealist fan. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, I think it, it is funny. Um, I, I personally think, like, the post-left thing is kind of like, and I think, like, a lot of them would admit it as well. It's kind of like a ridiculous label that people, like, that, our New York City podcasters have attributed to them. And uh, it's just like, for some reason, a lot of these people, like Eric K, Cole, uh, uh, PSYOP reporter, um, who else am I thinking of? Uh, like, it was Jack, I think, of as well. Um, Red Scare Girls, um, especially Amy. Amy, of course, is the queen of this. Oh, yeah. They, they just, like, they hate them so much. They like fish like every single day. I'm because I'm in DMs with some of these people, and it's like, every single day these like New York City fun Chapo people podcasters like they just relentlessly go after. It's like like some of these people, these post left people, they only have like a thousand followers, but you have like Carl Beezer like D- DMing them, seeing that oh well, you live in New York. And, your dad worked for this. Like, oh, you are psyop in these small <laughs> accounts. You are running ops, gay ops on these small <laughs> accounts. No, it's yeah, like, that's what's oh. crazy is like these people have like three times the following. Oh, easy. As these people that they're like obsessed with. Um, like Carl Bayer or Carl <laughs> Beezer or whatever his name is. Who's that one? Who's that one thought that um the goes in Chapo that had the really creepy photos with the photographer, the Richard guy. What's his, what's her name? Oh my God. Um, Grace. Jamie, Lee Jamie, Jamie Limpack. Ja- oh my <laughs> God. That dude, she is awful. She went out she of her one way. of the worst internet oh. lib oh. thoughts in the world. Yeah. Like, her ever. and her and what's her name? I, I hate her because she helped ruin metal. Um, Grim Kelly, but no, this, the, 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 the Jamie Lynn Peck, like, witch, she, like, <laughs> she went out of the, her way to do this, like, schizo thread on, on our good friend Adam Lair. Oh, no because, shit. Because, yeah, because Adam saw her at this, like, signing event or whatever, some, some art fair. When did and, this like, happen? <laughs> this happened, like, a year or two ago. No and, shit. Okay, okay. So she, like, went out of her way to do the schizo thread about how I'm Lair is a fascist. I think it was that. It was, like, he ended up seeing her, but, like, they didn't talk or anything. She, she just, like, snarled at him, you know, like, growled a bit. And it's just like these people are obsessed. They're oh my god! Like, like I understand why they hate Amy. I can understand why they hate Amy because Amy is a fighter, and Amy, she's like, you know, she she admits it. She's deranged. She's hopped up on you know, Red Bulls, and uh, she goes Adderall and, probably, and Adderall, yeah, or other things, uh, or other and, things. Yeah. <laughs> god bless her. God bless. God her. bless but her. Yeah. I understand why they hate her, but like these. The, the one he's a good friend of he's a good mutual of mine. This fucking guy who is a blue check mark, he's like some kind of like uh not youth pastor, whatever. He like goes out of his way to make fun of a Christmas photo. Um what's his is his name Psyop Respector on Twitter? Um Oh Psyop Resistor. Psyop Resistor. Yes. You have this we guy. We follow each other. I'm going to have him on the pod soon, probably. Yeah. He's pretty cool. The, he, was on, he was on the Fed post recently. I have yet to listen to that one. Um, because, I, because I was listening to your pod. You know, I like to do the research right now. Oh, um, yeah. But th- this, this guy with a – like, he's a lower-level Chapo Janney. This, not the, the, the blue check, but this other guy. 
he goes out of his way, that I think with more followers than him, to like edit and Photoshop like, his mother to find the perfect nude photo that could match the body type of his mother. Like this is what how obsessed these people. I'm I've no word of a lie. This is true. This happened. This guy from from some program air program or whatever, he like meticulously matched the body type of Cyber Sister's mother in the photo to match a nude oh model. Oh my god. And then put it on and it's like, this is what your mother looks like nude. <laughs> like <laughs> this is like the tweet. You can find it. This that is, is so like sick. Shit. I don't literally know. So, I can't oh almost god. it's like I almost can't believe it, but then I'm like, no, I can believe some you sick. People like, are so sick. And then you got to give it to CRK. He dunked on these people every single day. And they, like, totally hate him. Like, oh, like dude, they hate him. Oh, my God. Um, well, like, it was like that one tweet. Like, the the one. Um, and I'm actually up to him more. And I'm unfortunately, he left Twitter. But Slav like this one guy made fun of him because he lost his job for the, you know, sacrament mandate. And, uh, like you have like verified blue, like one guy was attached to like some Washington organization. Cause like when I saw this, I was like obsessed, right? Cause you know, Slav is my friend. And, uh, this guy was attached to a Washington think tank. And he's like, Oh, thank God. The one less more annoying person at the office. It's like, oh, you know, like, God. Oh my God. He's, it's it's crazy. It's like how, um, like even, it, but it goes to show that even like smaller accounts can make a difference. Like no, uh, totally. To, like me and default friend, we were talking. Uh, I had this recent. I was on after the orgy podcast. It was a really great podcast. We were talking about incels and all that, and and we mentioned we mentioned Rad Femme Hitler, and and default friend. She's like, it's crazy because I know these like tech people in Miami. They're talking about Rad Femme Hitler tweets. It's like, how do these people know about Rad Femme? She only has 3,000 followers. How do these people know about Rad Femme Hitler? Oh, dude, you'd be surprised. Like, dude, we have people that are, like, obsessed with our podcast, and they're, like, literally <laughs> actors and, like, big-time fucking, uh, like, literally people who, like, fucking oh, um, are, like, politicians and shit and i'm just like <laughs> you guys and like like grown ass people and i'm let alone grown ass people grown ass people that have like serious jobs <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> i'm like how why are you guys so obsessed with us it's insane oh, please buy please buy my prince please god please yeah um, right <laughs> please yeah it's like go, hey if go you're to here our patreon Go to our Patreon. Go to our Patreon. No, I literally have like haters. They will literally like spend the five dollars to listen to the episodes, <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, it's unbelievable that these people are willing to spend their own money. Well, I guess a lot of them are pretty wealthy, so five dollars. Oh, yeah, it's nothing, nothing to them. them. Yeah, five dollars for a hate watch. I mean, that's probably nothing. I mean, yeah, they get off so hard on. Well, if you're Hassan Piker, you're paying thousands for uh, underage uh, Uzbeki girls and turkey so oh yeah what's up what's up with that <laughs> he uh oh i'm actually joking um he was on stream where because you know of course his whole life is on his bed. whole fucking life it's so scary <laughs> he's <Please>. eating <laughs> his mother makes him um he admitted to this popular brothel oh yes he, he that was so fucking weird yeah so that was so uncanny and weird. Yeah, yeah, I have sex with the workers. <laughs> I support the workers. <laughs> this same place. It's funny because... <laughs> Didn't they get in trouble for sex trafficking? That yes. same brothel? Yeah. Before, oh my god. Before he left Twitter, Slav actually had a viral tweet. He linked to the article where this... Not even a year ago, this wow. same place was busted for underage sex workers. Whoa, underage? Some some as young as 13. No! Yes, yes. Get the fuck out of here. I had no word of a lie. It's no true. shit. So, I didn't I, know I mean, about the underage shit. That yeah. is fucking insane. Well, underage plus sex trafficking, for, because there was various links to, like, Turkish mafia people. 
but Turkish but, mafia. Yeah. Whoa, that sounds pretty crazy. Turkish mafia. Well, it's funny because like here in Canada and my part of Ontario, all the uh, strip joints are owned by Serbians, Serbian mafia. But um, like so, people were making a joke off of it because like again, like it's only a lot, like not to say that Hassan Piker has frequented underage girls, but of course you can never put it past the dude. Yeah. Right. In my in my opinion, if you have not to say that like all people, but if you have a like a Twitch audience that is like consistent, mostly kids, kids. yeah, it's kind of creepy. mostly. It is very. Good. He's creepy. like thirty years old. If you're over the age of thirty, like if you're a Minecraft streamer, like I, like I was talking about this to Turkey Tom. Uh, if you're a Minecraft streamer and you're over the age of thirty and you have an audience of twelve year olds, that's kind of. It's kind of creepy. I don't know. That's it's sus. kind of sus. Yeah, kind of sus. yeah, no, dude is 30 <laughs> years old. Yeah. He has, so... he has 1,600,000 followers. Yeah. And it's like how yeah. many of those are kids, literal are kids? kids? And like, let alone like, oh, like, oh, okay, maybe they're like, you know, 17-year-old girls or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, like literally 12 and 13-year-olds. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like very little kids. <laughs> We're getting we're getting into the uh, Dylan Volk Chaggett number of like eighteen with a thirteen year old. It's not. It's kind of like oh, but um, a thirty year old with uh, a bunch of little kids in his audience. I don't know. That's kind of oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no way. It's, there's no way. Like, there's no majority way. of them are like adults. No. You no. know what I mean? On Twitch, come on. Yeah, exactly. Twitch. You didn't watch some gr- some man sit there and play video games. <laughs> have to be like 12 like boomers will like go to apple podcast they'll listen to that but twitch come on like dude no, that was so no weird way. how he just said that on on stream so nonchalant like no shame in no shame whatsoever because that's like the weird thing i think and uh, other people like yeah yeah default friend even pointed this out like it's weird how the sort of um chapo like ironist left they've sort of um become enamored by like the third wave um sex work is real work but i think in terms of an abstraction it's a very powerful like well these women are workers and you have to do respect them blah, blah, blah. um instead of like you know the honest and decent and godly thing which is like well maybe um we should live in a society that prevents uh women having to make a choice to begin with right so yeah exactly i think when it comes to the abstraction of sex work they're like, yeah, okay, it's we're on board. It's owning the chuds who are like some like picture of like religious rage, Jesus camp, you know. But when it comes to the reality of like one of their own, um, like it, like bold faced admitting, yeah, I frequent sex workers, I you know, prosties <laughs> or whatever. What does BAP call them? Prosties? Um prosties. <laughs> oh, you know I've been prosties in Kiev. But when fair. when you like admit to it that turns then you see people even like leftists like even like people were like trying to you know vibe with them two on header kind of like oh that's oh uh, that's not you know it's kind of like yikes it's it's yikes because it it admits that the sort of like caricature of the leftist like you know male feminist that they're actually doing it as like yeah, a thing exactly it's like you're admitting that this is who this yeah. is who who they say you are you're who it's, you're you're exactly who they say you are and uh, plus it, and oh sorry to cut you off sorry. no no go ahead go ahead well i was gonna say like the fact that also um it, not to like be pearl clutchy but it's like yeah you have an audience probably made up of like a lot of kids and you have this sort of like immature anarchy like punk like you know Christ punk Frosty. Oh God! The way he like, dresses. oh yeah, I go to Frosty's. <laughs> I do this. It's like it's so crazy. Like when you get to a certain age, it's like, is that really the example? Like if you had like I don't know, let's say, um, well, be I I, I shudder to think of a positive example. Um, but if you did have like say, um, a leftist who was trying seriously to like be like, hey kids, um, you know, health inequality is a serious issue. Like, I guess, you know, there's TikTokers or whatever, but, like, when you have a dude who's, like, you know, the typical, like, Chapo drag, like, come town, like, oh, I swear, I'm cool, 
but it's like, yeah, I frequent prosties. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that kind of, it's like kind of like a retrograde, like, you know, 1990s comedy festival type shit. It's like not going to work nowadays because nowadays, um, unfortunately for the dirtbags, they're sort of like, they have too many masters. That's their problem. They have too many masters and you have a significant portion of their audience who, even though they say like sex work is real work, when it comes to their like, you know, brave thought leaders, um, it's kind of like they can't, they, they sort of can't break the kayfabe. Uh, you know, they, they, when you have like, say if like Matt Christman were to come out, Kush bomb and be like, oh yeah, I freak, he, he does, who knows, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, oh yeah, I freaking prostitutes. It's like, wouldn't be as cool because he's like not as good looking as, yeah, Hassan. that's probably, um, yeah. and yeah. he's like, like people really forget that Hassan's 30 fucking years old too, <laughs> yeah. because he's like kind of looked at as like this, like, oh, good looking kind of guy or whatever. Perpetual adolescent, yeah. Oh, dude, it's so sick. <laughs> People forget too that the young Turks they were like trying to um I think cross a milestone, but I remember when like back in the early YouTube days, they were like actually trying to be like we're edgy on the outside, but also we want like, you know, a slot MSNBC, which it's like I guess they've grown their own empire now. Um although I don't know how many hate followers they have. But it's like they at one time they were like a serious contender like they were the model of like what alternative news source was yeah. i mean apart from infowars obviously um but like i remember back in the day it's so weird how like you would have um for people who don't know for the zoomers in the audience who doesn't know this um youtube was way different back in the day there was way less people and they it was like you know the trending bar that nobody cares about that actually mattered when it came to content yes yeah. people would actually go to like the different categories and you would go to the news and politics section every single day. This was 20, 20, 2008, 2009. Every single day, you had Young Turks right next to guess who? Stefan Molyneux. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. had those were the two popular. The Young Turks next to Stefan Molyneux every single day back when his channel was Steph bought. It was like. Then you oh, have that's like. OG shit. Holy OG shit. OG shit, man. Then you go to like the religion section. You have like the one like um, oddball Christian. You have like Venom Fang X, and then you have like the new atheists. You had like fucking Fake Sagan, and you had all those oh, guys. Dude, oh, atheist YouTube back oh, in the day. God. Holy shit! Oh Neil man, Bass Tyson and fucking Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan <laughs> put me on so much shit. Actually, I have like oh. a lot of my a lot of my early like internet culture shit. To oh Joe man. It, but, it, yeah. It, it is funny. Like when you, it, it's kind of sad in a way when you go like, look at um, like the, the like atheist YouTubers that are still around. It's like, they've been like hermetically sealed in like that 20, 2007 template of content. It's hilarious. I mean, it's, um, but yeah, so, um, well, we got off topic. We we're going to talk about the drug thing, but like, yeah, Hassan Piker, like the dirtbag left. It's really crazy how they, um, they, they, they have these podcast empires, but they yeah, like empires. <laughs> That's a good word for it. But like, they go into these Twitter slap fights with like, it, it's just, it's surreal to me because if yeah. I had, if break the rules had the audience half like, as many as these people fucking had half as many as Chapo. Imagine yeah. what you could do with that. I know. Right. You know, that's what I'm always saying. Imagine like, what these... your podcast, what you could do with that. Yeah. Right. Like, what are you doing, Carl Beezier? What the fuck are you doing? You're on Twitter. You're arguing with Cumgraper1488 on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get banned another day. You just have to wait a day. He's going to get banned again. He's on. He's slamming SIM cards into his phone faster than Amy Therese slams Red Bulls. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, fuck it. That was another oh. thing. Like, Hassan Piker, like, if he was, if he was younger... Oh, it would be so much more acceptable if he was like 21 or some yeah, shit. It would, it would, it would. You know, like way cooler. Uh, like, okay, like whatever, you're wilding out, you know. Like <laughs> 30 years old, 
And then it's like Carl Beezer, like the, Carl Beezer is like fucking what, like probably like 30 fucking three or some shit. The Chapo guys, they're all like 33, 32 years old. Um, that's why I have to remind myself too, because whenever I look and I'm like, bro, why don't we have at least like a quarter of what Chapo makes and pays? I know. Like, <laughs> uh, a quarter of what they get. And it's like, well, dude, these guys are fucking like in their 30s you know well, they're mean? connected as well like, and they're well that. hella connected yeah. dude oh, you yeah. know you know will manager's dad used to like write for the new york times <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's unbelievable and these will guys Manicker. are like supposed to be working class these guys are supposed to speak for the working class just my fucking ass <laughs> This guy, like, he obsessively, like, screen, like, a, like, that Amy's just not gonna see it, I guess. He, like, screen caps Amy Therese. He's like, well, this is what the post left does. And he, like, it's just like, bro, like, your dad used to write for the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite replies ever. He left Twitter, actually. Will Manager? No, not Will Manager. This is, like, your super small account. But he used to be the bane of Theory Twitter cave twitter do you remember this account his name was literal kitler do you remember uh, this guy he okay he was like um like into like critical theory he would occasionally like troll um like the more higher-minded people on on the dissident right which is how i know him um one of them his most iconic like i think it was actually shared by the dirtbag people it was like you know graham Harmon the the optic yeah. oriented philosopher yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i i can't stand him right I, I i just can't i can't i mean as a heideggerian i can't stand him but uh so he um was talking about some kind of like ephemeral news thing with trump or something because he's blocked everybody like anybody anybody like nick land follows he's blocked so i've been blocked by him for years now um and bro killer just replied to him like this absolutely like just girly like tweet about like yeah champion this and literal killer replies uh graham you're a heidegger scholar what are you doing like yeah <laughs> it's like bro what are you doing on twitter you're a heidegger scholar you're can published. you imagine being a heidegger scholar fucking like oh <laughs> just trying to oh. read like one book of heidegger is like fucking <laughs> like brain melting and it's like oh yeah like you're a heidegger scholar but, and but you're, you're like you're fucking around on Twitter. <laughs> but you're like Graham Harmon. You are like the guy who helped invent a whole new subset of of current contemporary um like theory self philosophy that only people that subscribe to Urbanomic read. But still, nevertheless, like it's like object oriented ontology that was like the hot stuff a year ago or so. Um, but it's like you know, but uh, yeah, I mean if. I feel like if we talk about these people anymore, we're just going to get sucked into a black hole. But um, it's, it is funny. Like, I, I just find it hilarious how, um, like, this whole, like, um, what's the tactic that they use? They're like, oh, the Red-Brown Alliance. It's like, you know, oh, cha Red Scare, they're talking to Steve Bannon. Oh, it's so and pathetic. It's, like, it's like, yeah, the reason the Red-Brown Alliance, okay, here's how it worked. Okay, now, here's the thing. There is a significant portion of right-wing Twitter that absolutely hates Amy Therese, absolutely hates the Red Scare Girls, you know, for different reasons, obviously. Maybe because they're women, who knows. Um, uh, I always get flack on Twitter for being a simp. So uh, they, like, the thing is, though, the reason that these people hang around us is because we're the only people that accept them, really, honestly. Like, that's, the, the whole Red-Brown Alliance thing is like, okay, I may not agree with you, but you have interesting ideas, you know, I may not agree with you on the other side, right? But that's how it works. It's never, like, okay, there could be theoretically some kind of, like, backing or whatever. Like, I don't know, there's some, you know, Peter Neal funds everything, I guess. Like, he funds us. He, in fact, he's funding this podcast right now. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually think... do know some insider shit about, like, oh, yeah. Fest and, like, Peter Thiel's people. It's not him directly, but, like, his people fun some of my like friends and shit and some of the projects they do it's actually kind of crazy but go ahead yeah Sorry. like no 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 totally right like that's that's a great point because there is some validity to that like i even know people who know people like i know i know some insider shit actually yeah. it's kind of crazy like my co-host lev he knows people because his family worked in media in russia but um 
like oh my god lev i've watched it <laughs> so it's so fucking funny like lev <laughs> arguing every fucking episode every episode about, about, about fucking russia and about fucking... russia and the jays <laughs> so you fucking know, funny it's funny because for ye- for a long time now people wanted uh and I and I was fucking for bit like people wanted Keith Woods on the show, but then uh, Keith just, uh, he didn't want to come on for obvious reasons. But um, <laughs> and of course uh, he's like I don't like him. I don't like his Russian video. Um, <laughs> um, but it's funny though because a lot of this stuff like having been part of these circles and like having interviewed people on BTR and all that, a lot of it's like just organic like okay there probably is money behind some bigger people like who knows right Right. but the way it works is like if you are like basically disowned by everybody like is amy like here's okay here's the thing and i'm totally trying not to be a simp right um she has a boyfriend anyway so it's not gonna work work. (laughs) Um, (laughs) apparently she does but um the thing with amy is that I feel really bad because she is like hated by everybody. Oh yeah. She is like been disowned like five, like 10 ways to Sunday in the sense that, 